Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast. Uh, I'm excited for our podcast today as I feel like we're going to talk about a secret that not many people know about. And that secret is walking in England. Having personally spent two uh, two stints living in the UK, I fell in love with walking as a way to get my nature fix. But along the way, I discovered another side of the country and charming villages, friendly locals, beautiful countryside. And I found one of the best places to walk in the UK was the Southwest. And here to tell us all about it is Steve Short, co-owner of the boutique walking and cycling tour company, Compass Holidays. Hi, Steve. Welcome to the podcast. Hello there, Richard. I love walking in the UK. I know it's, you know, I think I feel like walking's the national sport in England that everybody, you know, goes walking, whether or not, it's, you know, for a pub walk on a, you know, on a weekend or something longer. But outside the UK, people don't know as much about, about how great the UK is. And so, you know, what do you think makes the UK such a compelling place for walking and, and even cycling adventures? Well, apart from the uh, diverse landscapes around the area, um, there are over 16,000 miles of uh, walking tracks that are signposted. And also, uh, with as far as cycling is concerned, um, uh, it's getting better and better with dedicated cycle lanes, even in the major towns and cities. But I think cycling on some of our country lanes is just a pleasure going past sort of wildflowers and hedgerows it really and they're practically traffic free so it really is lovely it's funny you mentioned the cycling because that's one thing that surprised me is i would uh you know take a train 30 minutes outside of london and then you know ride on these tiny country lanes that you know wind back and forth with hedgerows on either side and I'd see three cars all day. And it's, you know, there's villages all around, but because, you know, they're these tiny country lanes, you don't even have to really worry about cars and you can just have this like incredible experience. That's right. Yeah. Some of my uh, favorite rides are, are in the Cotswolds. Uh, there is a lovely one going up to Chedworth Roman Villa. It follows a little uh, brook. There, there are uh, wildflower meadows to one side. It's absolutely idyllic. And I don't think I've ever ever seen a car on there yeah i know here in north america it's there's just like there seems to be like highways and then busy kind of local roads and the idea of like just riding and not seeing cars it's almost unheard of now i want to talk a little bit about the southwest as a whole because it's a big part of the uk and, and a lot of people they kind of go to london and you know they might go to windsor uh, but i feel like the countryside and throughout england you know, people don't understand what's there. And do you want to maybe just talk about the different places that are kind of as an insider, really stunningly beautiful and people should start to look into and consider for, you know, an outdoors holiday, a walking holiday, a psyching holiday in, in the Southwest? Certainly. Well, I mean, it, you can get into the Cotswolds in an hour and a half. That's probably the closest. The Cotswolds is a uh, in the UK's largest area of outstanding natural beauty is absolutely stunning. It's full of uh, tiny, tiny little villages, 
honey-coloured stone. They're, they're built out of the local limestone. Um, there are uh, market towns, there are castles, there are um, stately homes, all within this area. The area itself is about 600 uh, square miles. It's like what you think these charming little English villages are going to be like. And that's exactly what it is. Yeah, and it's, and it's not just one. It's like there's one and then, you know, 15 or 20 kilometers later, there's another one and then there's another one. And on either end, you've got these, uh, you know, famous larger towns in Bath and Stratford. So, you you know, uh, when I did it, I the first time I went was just by a car. And it was like, it's just an, like, it's like... Uh, uh, overflowing with riches. It's like, oh, we got to stop here. We got to stop here. It really is a special place. It is, yeah. And I, I think what you're talking about is the Cotswold Way. Um, that follows the Cotswold Escarpment. Uh, the Cotswolds are rolling hills. Um, and then they uh, drop away into the, the valley, the Seven Valley. The Cotswold Way is 102 miles long. Um, it starts at Chipping Camden, just south of, of Stratford. So you could start in Stratford and, and, and go down to it, and it ends in Bath. And then on the way, you have um, places like Broadway. Uh, uh, that, that is really a pic picture postcard village. And then you have uh, Winchcombe, that's a market town, and that's got Sudley Castle in it. Uh, on the way, probably my favourite village in uh, the Cotswolds is uh, Stanton. It's absolutely stunning. And you've got Stanton and very quickly followed by Stanway. And Stanway has um, a home of Lord Needpath. Um, and and that, is, that is lovely in itself. You mentioned the Cotswold Way. That is, you know, just one of these epic epic long distance walks in the uk how long you know does it take to walk the whole uh cotswold way we do it to the person really um depending on how they want how long they want to walk each day so it takes between seven and eleven days um if they want a leisurely stroll eleven days if they don't mind getting a few miles under their belt each day uh, then they do it in seven Six days walking, really. Seven nights. I love the flexibility there because one thing uh, about the Cotswolds is it's kind of a place that almost anyone can go walking in. And, and just before the pandemic, we'd actually planned a family trip where my mother, who's 75, and my father, who uh, aren't in fantastic health, but they can walk about 10 or 11 kilometers a day. And my young kids, the youngest was, I think, six, we were going we to walk the Cotswold way because it does have this ability that... You know, the distances aren't too far. You can find accommodation in shorter, shorter bursts. And so it is kind of this, this perfect, this perfect trip that you can take a very group on it. And if you really are, you know, fit, you can go for much longer days. If you have people who are not as fit or, you know, younger or older, you can shorten the days up. And I think that's a really nice feature that a lot of, a lot of uh, walking paths don't have that, that you've kind of got to commit, oh, today's going to be a 27 kilometer day and I've got to find a way to do it, where the Cotswolds has a lot more flexibility. It has, yes, yeah. Um, th there are villages every every few miles, so... Um... I mean, from the from the start, the first village is um, six miles from the from Chipping Camden, which is where it starts. Now, doing the Cotswold Way, 
What's it like for accommodations in terms of is this something where each of the villages has, you know, budget accommodations or, you know, nice accommodations? What can people expect? We mainly go for B&Bs and small family run hotels where we can. In some places, there the accommodation is a little bit more scarce and you have to take perhaps a larger hotel. But generally, generally we go for B&Bs and small, small family run hotels. And that's really nice because then you get to learn about the people that live there and get more of the authentic uh, flavor of the Cotswolds because you're interacting with people that spend, you know, summer, spring, autumn, winter uh, living in that environment. That's exactly right. Yes. Yeah. What's your favorite time to go, you know, or what, what time do you recommend people consider the Cotswolds for a walking holiday or a cycling holiday? I personally think the shoulder seasons, um, sort of March is okay, but certainly April and May, um, September and October. I mean, you can go any, any time of the year between, between sort of March and October. Uh, but I, I recommend uh, those times. Uh, there are less people around. During the spring, you've got all the um, spring flowers starting. May, you've got bluebells, uh, and then you've got daffodils. You have uh, tulips in the gardens, um, and the wildflowers are starting to come out. The, the, the hedgerows are starting to go in bloom. And then... Late in the season, in sort of September, October, you've got the colours changing um, into the reds and the yellows. Um, so that's that's lovely in itself. And the fields, their self will change colour as well as the crops come up and, and you know, uh, then come to the time to be harvested. Uh, so that's lovely. But th- those are the two, two times that I prefer. Uh, I'm really glad you mentioned that because I know my first year living in the UK... I remember my first spring and I thought, this is incredible. Like, you know, it's still cold and snowy back in, you know, Canada and the northern U.S. And it was just like this burst of life. And it's everything was green because of, you know, it was raining in the winter. And I was just kind of amazed. And then also in autumn, it's cold and snowy back in North America. And then it just keeps going and going and going. And there's like a crispness in the air. Um, You know, it's just such a special time to go anywhere in the U.K., but especially especially in the Cotswolds. It's just a, a magnificent time, isn't it? Yesterday, which was the 20th of April, I was walking around in t-shirts and shorts. It was that warm. <laughs> it was snowing here, here in, in, in Canada, making me jealous now, Steve. Uh, I want to talk about a few other areas in the Southwest because, you know, the Cotswolds, I think, as you mentioned, what's nice is it's so close to London that you can add it on to like a uh, a, a London, you know, a London holiday, you can go walking the Cotswolds for a few days. But if you have a bit more time, there's some other places to go. So what are some other destinations kind of in the southwest of, of the country that you think are, are really special? We do a tour in sort of between England and Wales along Offa's Dyke. That's a 177 mile trail. It's a spectacular dyke and it was built by King Offa. Um, in the 8th century um, and it was probably built to divide his um, kingdom of Mercia from uh, opposing kingdoms which now would fall in Wales. Um, It has something for everyone and it passes through 
loads of historic towns, um, Monmouth, Chepstow, um, and it goes through a variety of landscapes. There's meadows along the Wye and the Severn, uh, there's rolling hills in Shropshire, and then there's the heather-clad um, uplands in the Black Mountains. Um, so that would take you a bit longer if you wanted to do it all, uh, being, you know, it's, it's what, 75 miles longer than the Cotswold Way, but, but still lovely, and not that much longer to get to um, from London. And then there's uh, Cornwall. Uh, we do a lot along the southwest coast path. Um, now, the southwest coast path is 630 miles long. So to do it all, you would need quite uh, quite a long holiday. Um, but we do sections. We start off in Penzance and we'll take in um, Land's End and walk along. It's, it's a, a coastal walk and it's quite spectacular in places. Well, no, most of it is quite spectacular. It can be a bit rugged, so you would need to definitely have decent walking boots and probably not a, a leisure, leisure one. Uh, you know, you, you would have to be relatively fit. I can do it and I'm not fit anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that about the Southwest Coast Path because I've actually heard that it really punches above its weight for difficulty because you're kind of going, you're either going up or you're going down, kind of going over these little headlands. And it really is like it's a lot tougher. You know, people think, oh, I'm in England. I'm on the coast. It's going to be walking along a beach. But it actually is, it, it's a it's a good walk that it's definitely something, you know, you want to be a, an intermediate walker before you go and do that one. Yeah, I, I mean, I did it a few years ago, just checking out our routes. And you'll be walking along the top of a cliff and um, the the trail goes down into a cove and, and you look down and you've got 100, 100 foot or 50 foot to go down. But you can see where you've got to get to, which is 50 foot in front of you or 100 foot in front of you. And you have to go all the way down and then all the way back up again. Um, it's, it, can, it can be, a, it, it depends. I mean, if you pick the right sections, it's a lot easier. Um, but, but certainly the ones a bit around land, uh, Land's End and that, it, it can, be a bit, can be a bit tough. If you go to Kynos Cove, that's a lot easier around that section. And that would be from sort of Truro round. Now, with it being such a long path, are there certain sections of the Southwest Coast Path that you think are are really special? That are, you know, and it's all beautiful, but there are parts it's like, oh, this is really special that if you only have five days or you only have a week, this is probably a section you really want to consider. If you're quite happy to walk it, I love the section between Land's End and uh, coming into Penzance. Uh, just past Penzance is a fairly flat section. That's okay. Then you come round into Truro and, and go up to some coves. You've come onto some uh, more cliffs and, and that is a lovely walk and that's doable over four or five days. But the spectacular part is, is, is Land's End really. And then does the Southwest Coast Path, does it have kind of the history with, you know, castles and beautiful, charming towns that you'll find in the Cotswolds? There are some, um, le less so than the Cotswolds. 
Um, but there are some lovely little seaside towns. You have uh, like Pendennis Castle. The two castles protected uh, the mouth of the river coming in, one Pendennis and one St. Just. <laughs> and then to get out to Cornwall, like how long is it for people that, you know, fly into Heathrow and want to take a train? Is it something that you can land in the morning in Heathrow and get to Cornwall to Penzance or Land's End to start the first day? Yeah, yeah. You take the tube into London uh, and then just get on a train. Um, that will take you straight out to Penzance. Um, Penzance is the end of the line. So, you know, you, you can't even, you don't, don't even get lost getting off. <laughs> it stops. <laughs> so that is it. Before you mentioned Offa's Dyke, and I've, I've done walking in northern uh, Wales and Snowdonia, and I'm familiar with, you know, these rugged, beautiful mountains. But I'm interested more uh, in hearing a bit more about Offa's Dyke Trail, because I've heard of it. But I actually, I didn't even know what it was. And so I was, I'm glad you explained it. But, you know, what's that part of Wales like? Is it, is it really, you know, is there lots of towns and villages? Is it really populated? Or is it kind of like, you know, a sleepy part where you're not going to see very many people? It's a bit more rural, but you do pass lots of towns and villages. It starts in Sedbury Cliffs and it ends in Plastatin on the coast. Um, and there are lots and lots of historic villages. It passes through Chepstow, Monmouth, Hayonwy, Kington, Bishop's Castle, Montgomery, Welshpool, o o Oswestry. To, so so you're passing quite a few places that sounds really interesting and to to walk along history that is from the 8th century like here in north america that's it blows my mind you know we have no uh, or very little uh intact history that's that old and you can spend i think did you say 18 days or 15 days walking beside something that is is so old and has so much history um it's just kind of spectacular it is and the spectacular the scenery is spectacular all, all the way along and you and it is very varied i mean down by the seven you've got sort of fairly flat lands and water meadows um and then you're going to be getting up into the uplands on the black mountains and that that's obviously a bit harder a bit bit more rugged um it, it's and then you've got the rolling hills so probably a bit like the cotswolds up and down um so so pretty varied pretty varied and then does it dip into wales and come back into england and into wales like are you kind of walking in between both countries it does a bit down down the, um the bottom end near chepstow uh and, and that but then it cuts across it just cuts across and it heads for the welsh coast oh ex excellent and then for for if you're going to walk in uh that part of wales for on long office dyke or you want to go on the into cornwall on the southwest coast path do you feel those are also better shoulder season destinations? I know Cornwall is crazy in summer that I couldn't imagine trying to even get a, a place to stay in summer, let alone walk through the hordes of people. That can be an issue. Shoulder season for Cornwall is probably a must, I would say. It's possible to do it in the summer, but finding accommodation is is can be very, very difficult. More so recently, I think we've had since covid we've had lots of people um staying at home rather than traveling and one of the places that they go is cornwall because it's so mild 
it's um, you know you you can surf down there. You can do so much, as well as walk, as well as cycle. Um, so it is a place to go. It, it always is a few degrees warmer. I know. Um... Uh, my wife's family uh, uh, is in Newcastle. So when I'm in Newcastle, it's like eight or 10 degrees warmer sometimes. But even from London, it'd be like, oh, it's seven degrees in London, but it's 12 in Cornwall. And you think, oh, that's a that's a big difference in winter. That's a really nice day. And, you know, 12 degrees is nice if it's January. But um, uh, one thing I'm interested, so you don't you don't just own a company that specializes in these walking and cycling tours, but you actually live you know, right, right in, in the Cotswolds. What do you think makes it so magical? Just again, the, the diversity of it. Um, I mean, I live in Cheltenham, uh, which is a town of 115,000 people. It's the largest Regency town in the UK. Um, it has loads going on. It has festivals, uh, horse racing, if you like it, but there's music festival, a jazz festival, a literature festival, a science festival, and then 10 minutes in a car, if that, and you are in the countryside. And you can go to things like Crickley Hill Country Park, which is right on the Cotswold Way, and go for a, a long walk. There are just the, the, the stunning villages of places like Borton on the Water, uh, Upper and Lower Slaughter. It's just so, so varied. I think you, you really nailed it. Having this, you know, towns and then just towns just end. It's not like these North America, these massive suburbs that towns go on for tens or hundreds of kilometers. It's just all of a sudden it's it's countryside. Uh, it's just such a unique thing that uh, is is just great to experience. Um, I had one last question. So when, you know, when guests finish their first trip, you know, their first walking trip in the UK uh, uh, with you, you know, what do they tell you surprises them or like, what's their feedback? How beautiful it is, number one. Number two, they probably, uh, we finished it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, how beautiful it is. And um, people... Don't always expect good food here. I, I don't know why. And they come back and they say, the food has been absolutely stunning. Um, yeah, so so that. Uh, yeah, the food is, especially in Southern England, it is really good. I think there's been so many, you know, so many different chefs have moved there and world-class Michelin-starred restaurants have started that it's actually like, I think a highlight because it, it also is so diverse. You know, there's traditional English, really good food, but then you're getting a bunch of other influences and lots of fresh po- produce. So I, you know, people always say, oh, English food. And it's like, no, English food's really good. Like it's, uh, it's, it's like a highlight of, of a trip, especially if, you know, for me, especially in the South, in the North, it's a bit more still fried, uh, a lot of fried food. And I know in Scotland, it's like, it's hard to, sometimes hard to get vegetables, but uh, in the South, it is really, uh, really great food. It's, it's good. Uh, Steve, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I loved, you know, just hearing you talk about these places. Uh, it's a cold, kind of there's still a bit of snow in the air today. Uh, just really inspired me and made me want to like go out and get get walking. And it is just such a such a great destination. So thanks for sharing your expertise and these three destinations uh, on our podcast today. No problem at all. 
Uh, and with that, I'm going to put links to these uh, some of these trips in the show notes. Uh, there's some cycling, some uh, walking trips. Uh, have a look at the photos. The photos are beautiful, but honestly, they don't do it justice. And it is a, a great place to just kind of relax and uh, enjoy being outdoors, walking through countryside uh, day after day after day. And with that, thanks for listening to this episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. We'll be back next week to explore the world and hear about more epic adventures. Listen to other episodes of the 10 Adventures podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash 10 adventures.